through 13. I know this was read last week. We're going to read it again. Amen. Amen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. Let us pray. Father, Father, I know that Satan has tried to penetrate all morning to get us off of this sermon. Uh, he's tried to distract me. But Father, one thing I know is that your power is so much stronger than his, and that's what I keep telling him. I stand firm on that. You've given me a word today that obviously he does not want this congregation to hear. Well, I've got news for him. It's going to be preached. Father, I do that with the boldness of you standing next to me. It's not anything that I'm doing. I'm just allowing you to work through me, Father. In this moment, Father, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I ask that you take all my pride, my anger, my selfishness, my doubt, my lack of confidence. Father, anything that is taking me away from giving your word today, Father, I ask that you cast it into the sea and you replace it with you, your love, your breath, and your boldness, Father. I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. As Christians, we need to understand that Satan, number one, is real. We also need to understand that not only is he real, but he walks amongst us each and every day. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy everything we love and that we hold dear. Each and every day is a spiritual battle. This battle starts in your mind. And you need to grasp this. If Satan can control your thoughts, he'll control your destiny. You cannot allow him to control your thoughts and in your mind. It's all a mind game to him. That's spiritual warfare. The good news is God has given us the gear that we need for this battle. Today's title is The Armor of God. Again, Bojo preaching last week has inspired me to carry this on. My wife has been asking me to preach a series on the armor of God for two and a half years. Bojo preaches it one Sunday, and I'm up here the next week preaching it. She's not real happy with you about that, man. In Ephesians chapter 4, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17, Paul describes the six pieces of armor that we are to wear for battle. 
But before I get to that and before we can understand it, I need y'all to understand verses 10 through 13, which is which we just read. But I want to break these down a little bit for you. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren. Okay, who is Paul speaking to when he says, my brethren? Thank you. Finally, my church. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, put on, go back to that corner. Go back. Okay, there you go. Put the whole armor of God on, correct? Okay, this doesn't mean you put on part of the armor of God. But what I need you to understand is when it says put on the whole armor of God, that's God's armor. It's not our armor. We can't handle it. You need to grasp that right now just from this verse. It doesn't say that we put on armor that we have in our home. It says that we put on God's armor. So immediately we need to humble ourselves and realize that we can't fight Satan alone. It takes the full armor that God gives us, the attire that he gives us to go to battle, to be able to fight against the wiles of the devil. One other thing I want to point out, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We use this word a lot in this church. It's called Godfidence. And that's what he's telling us right here. Have Godfidence in the power of God's might that he walks with you. I want to look at uh, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul is describing our enemy. It's not people. That's not our enemy. It is Satan who has overtaken people that is our enemy. People on this earth, they can't do, they, they don't have anywhere close to what Satan has when it comes to power in the evil realm. Okay? We have to understand that right off the bat. No one person in this world can match the evil that comes from Satan. He has no conscience, no compassion, no remorse, and no morals. Satan feeds off pain, anguish, and filth. No person on this earth can be described that way. Satan is the only one that can fully have that kind of control. You know, I, I, I watch a lot of movies, and, and I love a movie with a good guy and a bad guy, right? A lot of superhero movies. Who in here has seen The Dark Knight, the Batman movie with the Joker in it? Very good. It's a great movie. In my top five, for sure. To me, the closest person that I can describe to y'all is Satan was the Joker in that movie. I mean, that was about as evil as you come. That's the closest I can get to it, guys. I, I, I can't think of anybody else that loved evil like the Joker did in that movie. We'll look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. For this reason, take up the full armor of God. Notice it says, it says full. So that you may be able to resist the devil, or excuse me, resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand. Uh, this verse has got quite a bit. I want you to notice it says the full armor of God. Of course, it means not just part of it. Don't get partially dressed for battle. That's how you get hurt. 
I want you to think about some of you guys in here that played football. When you were getting ready in the locker room, did you just put your shoulder pads on, your knee pads, you didn't put a helmet on, went out there and played ball? You have to fully prepare yourself. Again, that's how you get hurt. You're not going to go out there and play football without a helmet on. You're going to get knocked out. You lost your mind. Or you're half crazy, which we had some guys on our team like that. They're about half crazy. They probably would have done that without a helmet. But when you're fighting Satan, you have to be fully prepared and fully equipped with the entire armor. I want to give you another example for those of y'all that didn't, <laughs> that didn't play football. Okay, so like for you ladies, who in here, we all have, had the dream where you're at school in your underwear? Okay, it's embarrassing, right? It's embarrassing. If you try to fight Satan without that full armor of God, just like in that dream where you embarrass, Satan's going to embarrass you if you are not fully equipped. You have to have all six pieces on, and there's actually seven, and I'll get to that, in order to fight Satan. Don't go in there half-dressed and half-prepared. You see, Satan knows your weaknesses. But if you put on the full armor of God, your weaknesses will be covered and therefore not exposed to the attack of Satan. The biggest part of this verse is evil day. Be able to resist in the evil day. The evil day is when your number comes up. The evil day is when all hell breaks loose in your life. We've all had that day. Some of us have had days. This may be a day that you lose a spouse. A parent, maybe even a child. <clears throat> I've watched a lot of our, our church go through these days over the last two and a half years, um, some quite recent. But I am so proud of how our church steps up in those moments. See, we're all going to come across those days that it's hard. And we can't fight it alone. We need God. We need the full armor of God. But I'll tell you something else you need. You need a church. That's why that word says don't deny the fellowship. This is a family. <laughs> I've said many times it hurts me when I see one of y'all hurt. What I love about it is this church feels the same way I do. Last week I was on vacation and uh, someone lost a loved one. <clears throat> and I, I was hurting because I couldn't be here. And I prayed about it. And I thought, do I need to go? What I need to do? And God always reminds me that... Uh, our first ministry and our most important ministry is our family, right? That's the number one ministry. He said, you stay on vacation with your family. That church that you preach at can handle it. And uh, it's always awesome to watch you guys step up. So thank you all very much, church. Y'all do a great job in that area. 
now that we understand verses 10 through 13, I want to move on to the armor of God, right? So let's look at Ephesians uh, chapter 6, 14 through 17. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. One thing I want to say, between 10 and 14 right here, the word stand comes up many times. If y'all notice that word stand, okay, that doesn't mean start throwing punches. That doesn't mean start swinging the sword. That doesn't mean run. Stand and stand firm. You let God fight those battles for you. All you have to do is equip yourself with what he's given you. You're going to show up and he's going to give you everything that you need and he'll fight that battle for you. So stand is so important. Stand firm. Do not budge off of that. When you take something that you believe in, right? Like let's say, you know, somebody attacks your family. You're going to stand firm in protecting your family. Amen? This is the same thing, but much, much stronger, guys. We stand firm in the word of God. We stand firm in our beliefs. We stand firm in our Christianity. We stand. We plant our feet and we stand. No matter what's coming at us. It doesn't matter what it is, by the way. It doesn't matter what's coming at us. It can be a, a train coming full speed. You're standing on that track. You stand firm and have faith in the armor that God has put on you. Stand firm. Fasten on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Next verse. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Those are your six pieces of armor that Paul mentions here. Something that y'all need to notice, there's nothing on your back. Out of all this armor, pull up the picture of the armor for me, Marilyn, please. There's the picture of your armor. Sword of the Spirit, or excuse me, sword of, sword of the Word, Helmet of salvation, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel, and shield of faith. And nothing is mentioned about being on your back. Bojo mentioned this last week. We talk about this a lot. Don showed me this years ago. There's nothing on your back because as long as you have on the full armor of God, I need you to understand this. Two things. You're always moving forward. You're not moving backward. Okay? So you're taking on everything that hits you head on. And then number two, God's got your back. He'll take care of you. As long as you've got on the full armor and you're going forward down his path, he's got your back. You don't have to worry about that. But the minute that you don't have a piece of armor on, the minute that you sway off his path, you better start looking behind you. Be prepared. Guys, that's why it's so important that we stay ready all the time with the full armor of God. These pieces of armor described are what a Roman soldier would wear. See, Paul, when he wrote this, was in jail, guys. So obviously he's looking at these Roman soldiers, and that's where he got the inspiration to write this to the uh, church in Ephesians. Today we're going to learn about the belt of truth. 
And if we have enough time, the breastplate of righteousness. I want to start with the belt of truth. The belt on a Roman soldier did more than just hold up his pants. This six-inch wide leather belt secured the breastplate and held all the weapons a soldier needed for battle. So without the belt of truth, the rest of the armor is not going to work. You have to have the belt of truth. And I'm going to tell you guys something. That belt that holds all of that, all those weapons, that's some heavy stuff, man. I mean, you think about all those weapons that that belt holds. If you don't have that belt on, you're trying to hold all that stuff yourself without anything securing it. You see, Jesus Christ is the truth. So that belt of truth, that's Jesus helping you carry all of your weapons. He always lightens the load. That's what Jesus does. He lightens the load for us. So when you wake up in the morning, you get dressed, the first thing that you need to put on is this belt of truth. I mean, can you guys imagine a soldier going to battle? And he gets into the battle, and it's about to start, and he's like, oh, crud, hang on, i got to go back home and put on my belt. You have to wake up and put that on first thing, guys. Without the truth, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter anymore. Think about, think about it this way. If you look at our brave policemen, women that are out there serving this community, that belt they've got on, you know, it's got their taser, it's got their handcuffs, it's got their pistol, it's got everything on it, right? It's very similar. It's also like, say, a contractor, okay? Like I think of Tim, every time I come to the church and Tim's up here working, he's got this belt on, he's got all his tools on. He's prepared for work. They're prepared for their job. The same way we need to be prepared for battle with the belt of truth. So what is the belt of truth? I have a question for y'all. Who is the truth? Jesus, right? This word, the word of God, this is our truth. This is our belt of truth. This is what we hold tight to. Okay? Everything else falls into place as long as we have the word of God. script here the world doesn't like the truth guys the world's going to fight you all day long with this truth they have their own truth that they believe in I need y'all to make sure that you're not persuaded to follow their truth Again, it's like I said earlier about standing firm. This word of God is what we have that gives us guidance, direction, weapons, authority, power. It all comes from this word of God. It all comes from this truth. Do not conform to the ways of the world. And every time you turn on the TV nowadays, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. We went to the movies the other night, and I saw a preview, and I'm not even going to sit here and talk all about it, but it's unreal what they're trying to put in front of not just me but my children at a young age. We went to watch a kid's movie, and something pops up that is completely against what the church believes in. So then I'm having to sit down with my kids and explain to them and, and then apologize for even taking them to the movie theater. We have to be protecting our family 
from these things, our children from these things, heck, ourselves from these things. It becomes a major temptation. The more and more that we see it and we're around it and we listen to it and we hear it on the news and we see it on TV and we hear it on the radio, that's another thing. The music you listen to will tempt you all day long. Those are things that will take you away from the truth of God into the truth of the world. Guard your hearts, warriors. Guard your hearts. Be very careful. Always be alert. And again, put on the full armor of God because you're going to need it. It's a pretty crummy world out there, to be perfectly honest with you. It's pretty sad. Again, people don't like the truth. Uh, <laughs> there was this pastor. Uh, he just started pastoring this church. And uh, they decided that they were going to build a new sanctuary. Okay, So, so this pastor... They, they start a building fund. We all hear about building funds. We have a building fund, all this remodeling we're doing, so forth. Well, there were these two evil brothers, okay? And these two brothers were businessmen. They were very wealthy businessmen. Now, how they did business was pretty wrong. They were evil, okay? But these, these two men basically cheated a lot of people to get all of their money, but they were worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. So they come to the church, and they don't give to the church for a while, but they keep hearing about this building fund. And uh, the pastor started to notice they were coming, and, and he, he knew who they were. Everybody in the community knew who they were. Well, he looked at it, and he was excited. He thought, well, maybe their heart will change. You know, maybe we can get them on the right path. Well, after about three months of them coming to this church, one of the brothers passes away. And on his deathbed, he told his other brother, right before he died, he said, hey, he said, I want us to write a big check to the church, but that pastor, I want him to do my funeral, and he's got to call me a saint. So the brother that lived goes to this pastor, and he's got his checkbook out, and he says, hey, he said, listen, I'm fixing to write you a check for a couple million dollars. We're fixing to pay the majority of this new sanctuary. And he said, the only key to this is, is my brother is the one that wants this done, and you have to do his funeral, and during that funeral, you have to call him a saint, or I'm not going to write you a check. The pastor thinks about it for a minute, praying in his head about it, looks at the other brother, and he says, you go ahead and write that check. So he does. Now, this pastor the whole time is thinking, okay, how am I going to give them the truth? Number one, this guy is not a saint. He's evil. But, but, but we need this money for the building fund, okay? So he, he, in his prayer to God, he said, God, you know, if there's a way around this, if you could show it to me, and he gave it to him. So the day of the funeral, the pastor's standing up there, and he's talking about this man, and he says, this was an evil man. He was a very wealthy man, but he was a very evil man. And the way that he did things was not right in this world. He didn't treat his family right did business the wrong way, cheated a lot of people. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> the truth is hard, and it hurts. It hurts, but that's, that's the truth. The reason you need the truth, Jack Nicholson said it best, because Satan cannot handle the truth. What is the opposite of the truth, guys? Come on, this is not, you know. Thank you. It's a lie, right? So a liar, that's not the truth. The devil is a lie. Amen? Jesus Christ is the truth. 
and the devil is a lie. You've got to go down one of two paths, warriors. You, you, can't, you cannot go down the middle. I need y'all to understand that. There is no middle ground when it comes to the truth. There is only God's word. Don't try to sway one way. We've got churches trying to do that right now. It's a crying shame. I tell you, it makes me sick. I'm sorry, it does. And, 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 it, and it makes me sick, but it makes me sad. This is supposed to be God's church. And I'm watching churches conforming to the ways of the world and not walking down the truth, but trying to walk in this little gray area. We won't do that at this church. I refuse. I want to go read Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read this to you guys because I want you all to see how Jesus himself handled Satan. You want to get there again? I'm sorry. Yeah. 4, 1 through 13. Luke chapter 4, 1 through 13. I'll give you all just a second to get there. Amen. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. Now, this was right after Jesus got baptized, okay? John the Baptist just baptized him. So he leaves the Jordan. Uh, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was also, obviously, he was extremely hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in in in, in in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you simply worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil led him into Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, this is Satan saying, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard, your caref- to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against any stone. Jesus answered, it is said and it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Before I read this last verse, it's pretty obvious what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is simply reading scripture back to Satan. Christian warriors, I need you to understand something. You have got to get in your word. You have got to get in your Bible. That's how you fight him. Jesus was setting that example for us. You know, I think a lot of people think that Jesus, you know, when he's tempted, when he was tempted there, it's almost like, you know, he just pointed at Satan and lightning bolts came out and like struck Satan and made him run away and all that kind of stuff. Y'all got to understand, Jesus was God in the flesh. Now, could he have done that? Absolutely, if he wanted to. But the whole part of Jesus coming down here was to show all of us that in the flesh, he can be perfect and set an example for us. So the way that he set that example was taking the exact same weapon, the truth, 
and using it against Satan. It is written. It is written. It is written. Guys, I'm not telling you you got to memorize this whole book. But here's what I am suggesting. How do you put on the belt of truth? That's the question. We know what the belt of truth is, but Micah, how do you put it on? What's the how? How do you do this? Okay, well, this is how you do it. Sit back. Look at the weaknesses in your life. Your everyday life. Do you struggle in family? Do you struggle with, with, with work? Do you struggle uh, with lust? Do you struggle with drugs? Do you struggle with language? What are the things that, you're, that, that, that are your weaknesses? You humble yourself first and say, these are my problems, okay? And then you take those problems and you go to the truth, to the Word of God, and you find what it says about those things. And you learn those things. Now, again, this doesn't mean you have to memorize this entire book, but you need to know what it says. I would never be mad at anybody in this room if they came up to me and they spoke a verse, but they couldn't tell me what book or what chapter it's in. I don't care. If you know what this word says, this entire book is God-breathed. I don't care what book it was in when it comes to this Bible. I don't care. But if you know it, if you can speak it, then you can fight Satan. It's all you have to do. When Satan attacks me, there's, certain, there's three verses that I love, and I love these verses. Number one is he'll come to me and he'll say, you know, your pride's getting in the way. And I'll say, Satan, you're right, but guess what? In the book of James, it tells me that if I humble myself before God, he'll exalt me. So you can kiss my rear end and get out of my face, okay? Stick that in your Christian pipe and smoke it. Get out of here, all right? And then number two, the one that I'm, I'm telling you, that number two, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He'll come to me and say, you're weak. You're weak, Micah. You can't do this. I can do all things. Not just some things. Satan, I need you to understand, that word says all things. So you can come at me with all you have. It's not going to stop me. Because in all things, I have God next to my side. And then this last verse, and I say this all the time, when I'm feeling tempted, when I feel the temptation coming, I remember that it says in the book of James, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's a promise. Resist the temptation and he'll flee. He's not going to hang out with you if you're, if you're resisting him. Now, now, if you're welcoming him, he's fixing to come in and he's going to beat your whole world up. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's not, I use it constantly. Constant. Every day I use that verse. Anybody that sits in this room and tells me you're not tempted once a day, you're a liar. Or you're blind to it, which is even worse. Resist him. Speak it to him. That's another thing. Say the words to him. Tell him the truth. If you notice, Jesus didn't just pray it in his mind. He spoke it to Satan. The last verse when the devil had finished all of his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. In other words, he's going to come back. He's going to come back again. And he's going to come back again. I need you to think about it now. This is, this is Jesus Christ here. This is, this is the Son of God. This is God in the flesh. And Satan came back. And that man was perfect. Why do we think he won't attack us over and over again? 
It's so important that we're prepared with the armor of God. And it all starts with the belt of truth. It all starts with this book. Again, I need y'all to understand something. And I need y'all to really grasp this. I am not telling you that you have to memorize that book front and back. I'm just telling you, get in it enough. Every day. Every day. I don't care if it's five dang minutes. It doesn't matter how much time you put into it. Just make sure you get something out of it. Every day. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to fight Satan. In fact, I know a few that are getting beat up with spiritual warfare. And they're biblical scholars. These are graduated seminary degree pastors and they're getting dominated. And their church is getting dominated because they don't understand spiritual warfare. They don't understand the full armor of God. So I'll be honest with you. Would I rather have a church that has that book memorized front and back? Or would I rather have a church where everybody in this church has a relationship with God? That they get something out of that word every time they pick it up because it's the Holy Spirit showing it to them. I want that church. That's who I want to have my back. That's who I want to have my back. That's God's church. Build that relationship. If you want to win the battle, you have to prepare for the war. If you don't wake up every morning and put on God's belt of truth, the foundation, the support, the piece of armor that holds everything together, you might as well surrender. That's where it all starts. Warriors, get in your Bible daily. You have to understand God's truth. If you don't, you won't be able to stand against the wiles of the devil.